Hey everyone, welcome to The Exchange Daily, where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we release a new podcast where we just meditate on a psalm, go through a scripture passage, try to practice uh, the Word of God together. Today is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020, and I'm just uh, really missing you guys at this point. Church, we miss you. We love you. I hope everyone is doing well. I cannot wait until we can be back in person again. This Sunday will be our seventh Sunday, um, just apart from each other and doing a live stream. So, starting to really hit me. Miss you guys. Listen, we are in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, and I just want to specifically look at verse 4. All right, before I do, just want to remind you, David is writing from the sheep's vantage point. David is a shepherd, and he's writing about a shepherd, but it's as if he's a sheep. He's writing as if the Lord is his shepherd and he is the sheep. And again, David knew a lot about sheep and a lot about shepherding. Uh, he was he knew it was like to watch sheep, take care of sheep. He spent a lot of time with sheep. And after years of being a shepherd, he realized, wait, I'm the sheep. I might take care of sheep, but in reality, the Lord is the true shepherd. He's my shepherd and I'm just a sheep. Uh, so David is just really like walking through, I feel like, what he's learned, what he's seen, what he's experienced. God is provider, preserver, his director, everything. And so I'm, I'm just really enjoying this passage. Uh, Peter later wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 25, he says, For you, like me and you, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. All of us have that sheep mentality where we have maybe wandered or said, forget this, I don't need a shepherd. I want to do life my own. I want to be very independent. And and, and in reality, um, we were like strange sheep and we just returned to the shepherd of our souls. Uh, It's really, really is interesting. This whole idea of sheep and a shepherd, you can go to Rome. Well, you can't right now under the travel ban, but you could go to Rome one day, hopefully. And there are these catacombs for miles. There are these like tombs under underground. Like you go to different churches and they'll take you underground and tour you around like these, basically these tombs. But it's where the church would meet and where the church would have to do church for a while. Um, and you can find these different Im- uh, symbols and images on these catacombs, on these tombs. And it is interesting. You'll actually see... Um, a common painting on these catacombs where Jesus is as a shepherd with a lamb carried across his shoulders. You could Google that. You could look it up. But there's these images with Jesus having a lamb over his shoulders carrying them. And this is how Jesus was viewed from the very beginning. He is our shepherd. He is viewed as a shepherd. He calls himself uh, the good shepherd as we looked at earlier. And so the early church and myself, we love this idea of being um, of just the Lord being known as our shepherd. Now, I just want to remind you, Psalm 23, just throughout history, I mean, millions of people have read the psalm, memorized the psalm. Pastors have used it to comfort people who are just terribly ill or on their deathbed. Um, those in prison have just cried out these words. Dying soldiers have had this psalm read to them. Um, this has been some of people's last words as they breathe their last breath. They'll just recite this psalm. Um, and this is, this is just such a, a powerful and weighty psalm. And it's probably just the, the best part is just reading it because it's just so powerful. And the last couple of podcasts, we've gone through this, but I have a question, you know, for everyone. As we've gone through this psalm, has, has anything changed in your life? Like, honestly, has your perspective changed? 
your approach to God change, the way you do life, the way you pray, the way you give, your fear, your anxiety, has that changed? Because um, I don't want to just walk through this psalm and and not really be something the Spirit brings life and change to. Do you truly view the Lord as your shepherd? Um, and that's my hope is that we get more bold through this, less fearful, less anxious. Um, just our prayer is our life is completely changed. And so that is really the hope. Um, I don't want to just have nothing change as we walk through this. So um, we're in Psalm 23, verse 4. Um, and that's all we're going to look at is verse 4. He says, Yea, or even though, yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, this is the first dark kind of side in this beautiful psalm. In the first three verses, David wrote about green pastures and still waters, paths of righteousness. Yet when following the Lord, you will walk through eventually and inevitably the valley of the shadow of death. And so the tone kind of changes here in verse four. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a valley. It's a valley. Uh, He doesn't say the mountaintop or like a broad meadow. A valley suggests the idea of being hedged in and surrounded. Again, back in those days, valleys are where people would hide and attack. Kind of like in Star Wars, the sand people were just watching and waiting to attack. You know, like they're like surrounded on both sides of the cliffs and they'd attack in the middle of the valley. Um, that was the valley. There were animal predators, people predators, and it was like a dangerous place. Now, we talked about this, but sheep are timid. They're fearful. They're skittish. They're not going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They're just not. And I'm not. Um, like it just They were spooked so easily. But if the shepherd goes before them, then they will, and I will. Remember, sheep are not like cattle. You don't drive sheep, you lead sheep. So if they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's because the shepherd is leading them, and it's comforting to know my shepherd is leading me. He's not driving me or forcing me, he's making the way. And notice the word walk, even though I walk. um, I may walk, not run, not worried or stressed out, I'm not trying to sprint through the valley. Like, let me get out of this valley. Isn't that crazy? It's like, let me just take a stroll through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, I I think that we can run all our lives through dangerous moments and try to get out of it. And they're just walking through it. And it's, it's walk through, not in, not in, but they, yea, though I walk through, through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen, that means it isn't his destination or his dwelling place, he's just passing by. And I just want to think about that. This isn't our, the valley of the shadow of death is not our destination. It's just something we're passing by. Now, I I want to emphasize the word shadow. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, shadow of death, a shadow means there's no substance. Like there's no substance to the death, to death, if you're a believer. It's just a shadow, the shadow of death. I mean, think about it. We don't fear shadows. I mean, we shouldn't fear shadows. Um, The shadow of a dog cannot bite us. The shadow of a sword cannot kill us. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. So why fear? It's just a shadow. And I know that shadows can freak us out, but it's it's nothing. It's there's no sub. I mean, the shadow itself is not going to hurt us. And secondly, you you cannot have a shadow unless you have a light on the other side. So light on the other side is essential, you know, to for a shadow. So that means there's light at the end. 
You see, we only face the shadow of death because Jesus took the full reality of death in our place. See, I don't have to fear death because my good shepherd took my place in death. Death for us is a shadow and not reality because it's not our final destination. Now let's listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse. He says, death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Someone has said that when there's a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our path. Let us rejoice that there is a light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway for even a moment. Don't fear the shadow. It cannot stop our path uh, to this light, not even for a moment. Um, That was Charles Spurgeon. This saying is, is not just for those who are about to face death in the future, but this is for us today. They, though I walk through, this could be today. This should comfort you today. So he says, even though I'm in a valley, even though death is around me, listen to this, I will fear no evil. Why? Here's his answer. For you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of just death, think about that. I'm not going to fear. He doesn't fear. He says, um, I will not fear. Why? Because I know jujitsu. No, he says, because you're the Lord. You're with me. Um, David is no longer speaking about the shepherd, but listen, he's actually speaking to the shepherd now. So notice the change in verse four. He was talking about the Lord is my shepherd. And now he says, you are with me. David is no longer speaking about the shepherd. He's speaking to him. He says, you, God, you're, you are with me. Here, the psalm just changes. He's speaking now to the Lord, and he says, you're with me. So he, he's not behind us, but beside us. You're with me. God's not behind us. You're beside us. He's beside us. You're, you're with me. I mean, there's this, calm, there's this calm now, calmness to our fear. So um, the number one command uh, in the Bible, and maybe you remember this, the number one, literally, the number one imperative given is simply, do not fear. Fear not. I mean, it's said over and over again, fear not. And many times it's accompanied with this phrase from the Lord where he says, do not fear, I am with you. See, listen, God's presence is his protection. Don't fear, why? I'm with you. You want protection? Don't worry, you have my presence. If you have my presence, you have protection. I'm sure you've uh, heard or read, maybe or you know, maybe you've heard before the, the Footprints poem. Um, I'll kind of summarize, but you know, maybe it's like a, it might be a poem that you've kind of seen your mom put on the fridge and it's maybe been like a cheesy poem too, but it really is a beautiful poem. Uh, the poem basically goes like this, how there's two sets of footprints on the beach um, throughout all the great and glorious times that there's a person and God was with them and there's two sets of footprints. But when the difficult days came, there was only one set of footprints. And the question from the person you know, walking is saying, Lord, why did you leave me when it got difficult? And, you know, there's always two sets of footprints, but now when it's painful and difficult, there's one. And then the Lord responds and says, there's only one set of footprints there, not because I left you, but because they're mine and I'm the one carrying you through it. And I love that perspective. We think we're alone, but we're not. God is with us. You are with me. When we look back at the valley of the shadow of death, we will see God carried us. Now, 
this is kind of a weird thought. I don't naturally want to. Who wants to go down to the Valley of the Shadow of Death? But I mean, don't you kind of want to go and see like, what does God do in this moment? Like meaning, you know, we're okay with being led to still waters, green pastures. We're okay um, with all those things. But are we okay with seeing him with us in the Valley of the Shadow of Death? Like in the Valley, now we're going to see a different side of the shepherd. Some would say, um, you know, you shouldn't let your shepherd lead you there. You shouldn't follow him there. But the sheep are saying, I'm fearless because he's led me to all these great places. He's always been with me. He's not going to leave me now. And as David is writing this, um, maybe he had this, this, like this, his staff, maybe he had like his staff in his hand as he's thinking about this. Cause he says next, um, I'm not going to fear. He says, cause you are with me. Then he says, listen, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, that next phrase, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, let me explain really quick what a rod and staff were uh, and the purpose of them. In the book, um, A Shepherd Looks, or Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller, I mentioned it earlier. Um, uh, he talks about just the purpose of a shepherd and the role, and he talks about in that book, a rod and a staff. And so listen to what a rod is. A rod was like a, a stick, a larger, thicker stick, about three and a half to four feet in length. It was more of a club. A uh, rod had a few different uses. And here's what he said we used our rod for, this shepherd um, who wrote about the psalm, uh, Philip Keller. He says, first of all, a rod was used for discipline. If a shepherd saw a sheep wandering or misbehaving or starting fights or approaching poisonous weeds, the shepherd would throw the club through the air to send the sheep back to the bunch. So if it's wandering, he'd throw it like near it. It would spook it back to the rest of the sheep. Um... You know, there's even, you know, different people who write about how shepherds, when they, only in extreme cases, when a, a sheep was wandering, 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 how a shepherd would eventually, you know, take that rod, break the sheep's legs to carry it around him, to carry it, to have to like, the sheep had to learn to depend on him, to be carried by him, to be fed by him. The sheep's legs are broken. It's basically going to die unless the shepherd carries it everywhere and takes care of it. And it was to discipline and teach the sheep, don't go and learn to love the shepherd and stay with the shepherd, like, because the shepherd's going to take care of you. He's going to do something painful, ultimately to keep you alive. Number two, uh, the rod was used for examination. This is interesting. As a sheep would go back to the fold, the shepherd would stand at the gate and examine and count the sheep. Jesus talks about this, actually. He talks about he is the gate um, back to, like, the, the sheep pen in John 10. He's like, I am the gate. I am the door. And that's what a shepherd would do. He'd stand at the gate. He's essentially the door. Before the sheep get in, they would check it, check it out, make sure there's not coming back with any parasites on it and they're going to infect the other sheep. So it came under the owner's control and it would be examined. And it's not always easy to tell if a sheep was wounded or infected. So the shepherd would take the rod and just try to part through the sheep's wool to determine if the condition of the skin was clean. So the rod was used for examination. Number three, the rod was used for protection. The rod was ultimately there to protect it. It was a defense against anything that could attack the shepherd would often, um, you know, use it maybe against coyotes or wolves, cougars, stray dogs. And there's incredible stories of how shepherds have protected their sheep with a rod. Now, when David says your rod comforts me, you see that that the rod is symbolic. And the rod is symbolic for the word of God. Here's the idea, um, the similarities, how God's word, it disciplines me. It disciplines me. It examines me and it protects me from myself, enemies, the flesh, Satan. So the rod, God, your rod, it comforts me. Why? Well, it disciplines me. It examines me. It protects me. 
This is how Philip Keller said the rod was used, and it's just so what the Word of God does. It examines my heart. It disciplines me. It protects me from pain. Um, so the rod brings comforts. But what about the staff? The staff does too, but you'll also see this. The staff is symbolic for the Spirit of God. So you have the rod, the Word of God, the staff, symbolic for the Spirit of God. Let me explain. The staff is also a big stick. is about eight feet high with a crook at the end. And no other person in any profession carries a staff. Think about that. I mean, only a shepherd carries a staff. You don't need it for cattle, horses, pigs. I mean, you don't need it for anything. It's just specifically for a shepherd. A rod speaks of authority and power, and a staff speaks of faithfulness and kindness. And the shepherd lead, leans on his staff and uses it just a lot, like all the time. So here's three uses of a staff. One, it was to bring a newborn lamb to its mother. Um, Philip Keller writes about this, how you use the staff to bring a newborn lamb to its mother. Maybe it got separated or something happened, but he does this because he doesn't want to have the E reject her offering, like the mother or uh, reject her offspring. He doesn't want the mother lamb to reject her baby because um, it could bear his odors, his hands, so they would use the rod. And the shepherd would pull the sheep, essentially, back to him. He would use the uh, staff to pull the sheep back to him. Maybe he uses it just to keep it from danger. The whole idea was the staff was used to kind of bring back that either strange sheep or baby sheep into the fold. And the spirit is bringing us, in a sense, or wooing us back to community, back to fellowship, back to relationship. The staff, you could say, is to bring us back to the fold. And so the Holy Spirit is to say, hey, you need to get back to relationship, community, back to the church. So the staff was used for that. Number two, the staff was used to draw sheep to the shepherd, just to draw it to himself. He'd reach out and draw sheep, young and old, to himself and for just intimate examination. Then he'd use the rod to examine it, but he'd use the the staff to bring it to him. Um, it was useful to draw the shy and timid sheep back to himself. And isn't this what the Holy Spirit does? He draws all men. He draws all men to God. He draws all of us back to God. So he would use it to draw it to himself. Number three, um, the staff was a, was used to guide sheep, is to guide sheep to a new path or through a gate along a dangerous route. It's actually a gentle way to guide it. It wasn't the you know, rod. It was something used to gently guide it. And Jesus said, the spirit of God guides us into all truth. He uses it. He used the Holy Spirit. Is, he comes to us to draw us to himself. The Christian life is not about um, believing necessarily certain facts or doctrines, which it is, but it's more about having this intimate and close relationship with Jesus by the spirit. That you can believe all the right things, but not have intimacy. And so we need the staff. The rod and the staff brought comfort to David. It helped him. In the valley of the shadow of death, he goes, I know that God guides me. He protects me. He's going to comfort me, bring me back to him. Here, here's the conclusion of verse four. Um, even though God brings us to the valley of the shadow of death, I, I don't know why. Like why? Why did the shepherd need to go through this valley? Like really think about it. Why do we need to go through valleys of shadow of, of death? I, I don't know. Maybe to make us rely on him, to reveal what or who we really trust in. Maybe the easy path is just the wrong path. I mean, I don't know. But David says, I will not fear. He is with me. I don't know why the Lord brings us through these kind of moments. I really don't understand why we have maybe ongoing suffering, pain. I don't. I mean, when you think about someone who's really experienced this, whether it's a cancerous, you know, someone who has cancer and it's just overtaking them. When you think about people who are losing their job due to COVID, when you think about all these different things, 
go, I don't know why there is even this moment of Valley of the Shadow of Death, but I know that you're with me. I know that your rod, your, your word and your spirit, your staff, they comfort me. I know that I'm not alone in this. I know that, um, God, there's something you're trying to teach us and I want to be open to that. And really this also reminds us that God, whom God loves, he disciplines. You know, Proverbs 3.11 says this, my son, listen, Proverbs 3.11, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline or just be weary of his reproof. Don't, don't be weary of it. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So the Lord, whom he loves, he disciplines. Your son, your daughter, why does he discipline? Because you're a son or daughter. He loves you. He's trying to grow you, mature you, protect you. And, and I'm thankful for this. I mean, Hebrews 12, 11 talks a lot about discipline. And it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. You know, it's not really pleasant in the moment. But later it yields fruit, peaceable fruit, righteous fruit to those who've been trained by it. Listen, don't fight the rod and the staff. Don't buck against it. It just leads to probably more rod and more staff. I would say, um, be wooed. Let the Lord draw you in. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. I mean, this really is a concept we're trying to teach with our four-year-old. Like, Micah, I love you, so I have to discipline you. And it's him is like, what is that even, what? Like, those two things don't make sense, but it's like, we have to. I'd be a terrible parent if I just let him do whatever he want, wherever he wanted, however he wanted. I mean, he'd just be a nightmare person as an adult who would want to, you know, hire him, who would want to marry him. The point is we discipline because we love. And David's like, you know what, your rod, your staff, it, you know, it does protect me. It does comfort me. Why? Um, because I know that you're disciplined, Lord, and I know that it's really for my safety. I know me staying next to you is for my safety. And so here's where we're at today, um, just with this whole pandemic, that I would say, does the word of God and the spirit of God bring you comfort? And how can you just approach it with a different mindset? God's not trying to steal your fun. God's not trying to take away your joy. God's trying to bring you fullness of joy as you really approach him through his word, as you embrace his word, as you love it, as you read it, as you're trained by it. And even when you're in the valley of the shadow of death and you don't know why, you can say, but Lord, you're with me. You're with me. I will not fear because you're with me. Let this passage continue to shape our thinking, our anxiety, our emotions, and let us let it lead us closer to our great shepherd. Listen, if this has blessed you or encouraged you, I'm just gonna ask that you'd share this with someone. Would you um, just, I know that a lot of people's minds are scattered. Would you just maybe, uh, I don't know, share this with them, bless them, encourage them. Um, I wanna also just invite you all to Friday night at 8.30, Kimber and I are gonna do just kind of a little Facebook Live and Instagram Live um, session on relationships, dating, engagement, marriage, friendships. Um, I'm excited for this. My wife and I have been married now for over 12 years and, uh, we have a lot of, um, things that we've done wrong and things where we're still pursuing Jesus in. And, uh, we want to share that and answer any questions. So, um, if you go on our social media, you'll see ways to text in your questions. We want to take questions live. We think this will be fun. And, um, yeah, we'd love for you to be part of that. Listen, that is it. We love you guys. I love you guys. Miss you so much. Be a part of a zoom group. Just sign up for someone's don't be shy. Be in community. Let the spirit draw you back into that deep relationship. That is it. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day.